Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Pump Fake, everybody. I'm Jarrett Bailey. Joining me today, you can catch her on CBS Sports. She's the author of You Negotiate Like a Girl, the former CEO of the Oakland slash Los Angeles, now Las Vegas Raiders, Amy Trask. Hi, Amy. It's good to see you. Well, thank you for inviting me to join you. It's absolutely a treat for me to do so. And thank you for agreeing that you don't have to really see me, but you can sort of just see me in the ethereal <laughs> sense, because trust me, you don't want to see me right now. <laughs> uh, it, any chance I get an opportunity to talk to you, I will absolutely hop on it because I adore our conversations and it's always very lovely to talk to you. How are you? I am well, and I agree with right back at you. I adore our conversations as well. There is a, you know, we were talking in the lobby about how it's already like combine season, like it's already March and, and by it's going to feel like tomorrow it's going to be training camp and everything. Uh, but we've got a lot of, you know, time in between those two things where there's going to be a lot of new deals, new signings, teams getting built and whatnot. Um, and we'll start with the quarterback position, specifically somebody who has been the quarterback for the team that you used to be a part of, the Raiders, Derek Carr, uh, one of the higher anticipated free agent signings. Reports coming out today saying that he is looking for about $35 million per year on a new deal. Uh, your thoughts on that? Because this seems to be, I don't want to say lowballing, but you know, for a guy of Carr's caliber where, you know, at his best, he's, you know, somewhere I would say in the top 10 to 12 quarterbacks in the league. Uh, your thoughts on, you know, what he sees his market as compared to maybe what he could have gotten or will get. Well, a couple things in that regard. Um, very, very, very fortunate for him to be positioned as he is, which is the first of what seem to be many quarterbacks who may be on the move to be able to have conversations with other teams. As we all know, he um, had a no trade clause in his contract and he wisely, in terms of watching out for his own best interests, which he should have done and he did, said, no, you can't trade me. You want to release me? Release me. And that's what they did. And that's given him a head start. So I think that has uh, worked and will work to his benefit in terms of uh, optionality. It strikes me, but I know I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll say it again, but it strikes me that quarterback movement this offseason is going to be particularly interesting. We don't know yet or don't yet know what Aaron Rodgers will decide vis-a-vis -vis the Packers, what the Packers will want to do, what they'll want to do collectively. Does Aaron want to play at all? Does he want to play in Green Bay? Does he want to play somewhere else? And the reason I bring that up is if you are a team right now looking to add a veteran quarterback, you know, you've got to balance the, do I sign Derek Carr right now? He's free. I can sign him. I can be set. Or do I want to wait and see what happens with Aaron Rodgers? But wait a minute. What if I wait to see what happens with Aaron and then nothing transpires with Aaron right. and then I've lost out on the opportunity for Derek? All of that is a very long, I'm sorry, very worthy, I'm sorry, <laughs> way of saying Derek's got some real optionality now being the first one to be able to sign but he also needs to do something to capitalize on that and maybe signing sooner rather than later is the smartest thing for him to do as to the money issue you raised you know there's a balancing there 35 million dollars however you want to cut it is a lot of money yes, so some people might say you know if he does this or he does that he could get 40 or he could get 42 or he could get 45 you know at some point you're balancing how much money 
with how happy you're going to be. Mm. Derek has articulated many times that he wants to be somewhere he can win. And a lot of players believe that. And a lot of players say that, but he may well be willing to take slightly less to go somewhere where he truly believes he can, as opposed to holding out for more at a location he might not feel as strongly about from a win-loss standpoint. One of the teams that's been really linked to Derek Carr is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, you have firsthand experience with their head coach, Dennis Allen. Uh, in my opinion, uh, if I'm Derek Carr and I want to go somewhere and win, I think the Saints are probably the last team on my list in terms of the teams that have been reportedly interested. Uh, they don't have a ton of depth uh, when it comes to their weapons. They're an old team. Um, and in terms of Dennis Allen, I don't know if I believe in him as a head coach that'll you know be able to take you over that hump. Your thoughts on a potential pairing of Derek Carr and the Saints and Derek Carr and Dennis Allen? A uh, threefold response. One, the pairing might well work. Dennis was with the Raiders when they drafted Derek. So mm. um, if and to the extent Dennis's um, views were factored into that draft pick, and I certainly imagine they were, he may have strong feelings about Derek and, and be excited about working with him. And Derek may have those feelings about Dennis. Um, look, I've shared publicly on CBS Sports Network and otherwise my views on Derek as a, uh, on Dennis as a head coach. And I've been very, very clear to note that people grow up on the job. I grew up on the job. I made a lot of mistakes while I was growing up on the job. I was not the same leader a number of years into my position as I was at the outset. And that is a way of saying, you know what, Dennis is entitled to grow up on the job as well. And the reason I share that is the experience I had with Dennis in Oakland. Um, I did not think or I do not know that he can lead the saints in the manner the saints need to be led, but I'm going to very carefully and clearly again state with oomph, he may well have learned from the errors he made on that job. I made mistakes on the job. We're all allowed to and should grow from the mistakes we've made on the job. I, you know, to put it very directly, I, he was not a leader. He was not a leader of men or a good leader of men. He may well be now. I just don't know. You brought up Aaron Rodgers, um, and it, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about him. He emerged from his darkness retreat, um, whatever he was calling it, that whole spiel of stuff where he, he was pondering his football future. Uh, he said that once he would emerge from that, he would have a decision on whether, you know, what his future would hold, where he would want to be. Um, and if you're a team like the New York Jets, who has been linked to Derek Carr, and you brought this up already. Do you kind of wait and see? Do you, you know, just get aggressive and go get Derek Carr and just lock somebody down? Or, you know, do you see what Aaron Rodgers says, what he wants to do, where he wants to play, um, and perhaps ponder the risk of not landing either of them? Well, I mean, you, st you stated that perfectly. You do run the risk of getting neither. So, you know, what's the old the bird in the hand, bird in the bush, all of that, which is a very <laughs> funny analogy for me to be using since I'm the vegetarian on this call. Um, you know, I want to be very clear. I'm not suggesting the Jets are doing this. I don't know that the Jets are doing this. I'm not implying or insinuating or otherwise hinting that the Jets are doing that. That's my caveat. Okay. Let me just let you know all teams talk to people when they're not supposed to talk to people. Um, so, again, <laughs> I'm saying with a smile on my face, one can just posit for a hypothetical consideration that the Jets may be having conversations behind the scenes with representatives of Aaron. And if they're not, maybe they'll do so in Indy. And you know what? Maybe they won't. 
But if they don't have any conversations off the record, behind the scenes, however you want to um, phrase it, then you're, you're absolutely right. You characterized it perfectly. Do they wait and perhaps miss out on Derek or do they move on Derek? But do they really want Aaron? I mean, those are those are things um, that the Jets have to figure out. I do think it's interesting, given the um, tenacity of the New York area media or the reputed tenacity of the New York area media, that mm. the two quarterbacks that are most often linked to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr, are two of the quarterbacks who over the courses of their career have expressed more than most other quarterbacks a disdain for um, some media practices. So that could be fun to watch no matter who they sign. Uh, in Denver, a big report coming from The Athletic today saying that uh, while Russell Wilson was still with Seattle, uh, reports say that he had asked for both general manager John Schneider and head coach Pete Carroll to be fired and that they were holding him back. Um, Russell's gone on to deny this, saying that he loved Pete. He was a father figure to him. John believed in him and drafted him um, and that he never had anything but respect for them and love for them while in Seattle. Um, and then obviously everything last season in Denver happened where, you know, the trade, everybody has high expectations. Um, they always felt that they were a quarterback away since Peyton Manning retired. Um, and then that disaster of a season happened where Nathaniel Hackett doesn't make it through the entire season. Um, and now Sean Payton is coming in, hoping to put the pieces back together, both of the franchise and Russell Wilson, trying to see what they can salvage. Um, what are your thoughts, not just on, you know, Russell Wilson and his situation in Seattle, but can Sean Payton fix this? I sure hope so. Um, and Raider fans may find it odd that I would say I hope they can fix things in Denver. But that's more of a personal um, comment with respect to Russell as opposed to a franchise-based conversation. Look, I was a Raider my whole career. Um, I had opportunities to go elsewhere after the Raiders. But to me, uh, being a Raider wasn't fungible to simply opting for another team. And, and I share that simply because that's where I spent almost 30 years with the Raiders. So what I'm about to say about Russell is Russell specific, not Bronco specific. I would like to see Russell get back to the Russell we saw in Seattle, maybe even better. Um, I was hoping Denver would be where Sean Payton ended up for that reason. I would like to see what Sean can do with Russell. I believe that Sean does what the best coaches do, which is best position players to be their best. And that certainly wasn't the case for Russell last season in Denver. So now Sean's going to come in and we're going to see if he can get more from Russell than Nathaniel did. Um, and if we can see Russell that we were used to seeing in, in Seattle, as I recall, he was like a nine time pro bowler and I mean, he was a very, very, very good quarterback. Yeah. He, he, he did okay in that. Well, <laughs> in Seattle. <laughs> right. And um, I, I really, I, I was hoping that that's where Sean would end up and, and we'll see if he can bring out the best. As to the conflicting comments with respect to what went on in Seattle or not, did Russell seek the termination of these men? Did he not, as he has strongly suggested? I don't know. Um, but I do think that when people leak things, they generally have a reason for leaking them. So I don't know what the motivation of this story coming out right now is. In San Francisco, they have not one, not four, but three quarterbacks that apparently <laughs> can start for teams. Um, when Trey Lance went down, they looked like geniuses for keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around. Then Jimmy Garoppolo goes down, and it looked like the season was all for naught, but then Brock Purdy played really well. What do the 49ers do now? We know that Jimmy Garoppolo won't be back, but now you're in a situation where you gave up a lot of capital to get Trey Lance, who has only started you know, what one game 
since he's been drafted. Um, and Brock Purdy played really well. What 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 do the 49ers do um, in terms of their quarterback? Because you know Brock Purdy's still in that building. Trey Lance is going to be in the building. Do they do do they become a surprise for somebody like Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers? Like there are so many things that they can do. Um, what if you were in the the shoes of John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan? What uh, what are you doing? Well, I would want to see um, what I could get from Trey Lance when you know when he's healthy and back on the field. I want to see if I can or we as an organization can um, put Trey in a position to perform as we believed he could when we drafted him. Brock Purdy, just a tremendous, tremendous surprise. And I say a surprise, perhaps not to them, but to many, because of course he was Mr. Irrelevant, the final right. pick in the draft, which by the way, I love because it proves my point about the draft. It's not a science. There's no Enigma code or Rosetta stone. It's an, um, it's an organized crapshoot basically. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Wonderfully stated. Um, so he was the last pick in the draft and look how he came in and played. I just love that. So if I'm the 49ers, I want to best position trade to be his best when he's healthy. I want to keep Brock Purdy and, you know, he's going to be a while before he's healthy. But yeah, bring someone else in because you've got a phenomenal defense. You've got a good team in a lot of positions on both defense and offense, and you want to capitalize on this window in time. You don't know what Trey is going to be next year. You don't know how strongly Brock will come back and how quickly he will come back. So yeah, bring someone in. Um, you know, some of the men you've mentioned, Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, um, there's a lot of options out there. I don't know that you want to draft someone for this season because you are going to be bringing along Trey. You're hoping Brock gets back and healthy. So I think you do want to bring in a veteran. Sticking with young quarterbacks that could potentially get traded. Um, there's been a lot of buzz in Chicago around what's going to happen with Justin Fields now. Um, do they draft Bryce Young with the first overall pick and try to trade Justin Fields? Uh, do they keep Justin Fields around and hope that he takes you know a similar leap in his third season to the way that Jalen Hurts did this past season? Um, it's a it's a little bit of a paradox, and I think Mike Mike Tanier, Football Outsider, stated it really really perfectly. The fact that the Bears would even want to trade Justin Fields damages his trade value because if they just drafted him what two years ago and they're saying yeah let's try something else, why would any other team be like yeah let's let's hop on and get this guy? It is a very weird and unique situation for Fields and the Bears. Um, do you think, I mean, if you're in the shoes, do you take Bryce Young? Do you keep trying to develop Justin Fields? What does Chicago do um, going forward? And uh, if they do decide to move on from Justin Fields, what does that say about um, the, the current administration there? Um, you know, they aren't linked to him. They didn't draft him. That is the big caveat here. Um, but certainly would um, it, it would be surprising to me if he were to get moved. Well, and it's not mutually exclusive to say, yeah, you know what? We like him and we think he can be a good quarterback and we're happy staying with him. But you know what? We have a chance to get someone that we really, really, really like that we think can be really, really, really good. And maybe we want to do that. It doesn't mean we don't believe Justin can be really, really good. It just believes we just believe that maybe the guy that we can pick with our pick could be even better. And so I don't know that I'm deterred. I mean, Mike's point is very, very well taken. But if you look at a team that has a much lower pick than the Bears and isn't going to be able to draft as high either because they don't have that pick or don't believe they can trade for a higher pick or don't want to trade for a higher pick, then maybe you're the team who says, okay, we can't get someone 
in the top few picks of the draft. We don't have that draft capital, but we do like Justin better than what we have. I mean, I don't think everything always need be an either or or mutually exclusive. He can end up being really good. There can be other people you can draft that can be as good or better. I wonder if a team like like maybe the Titans who are in a spot where, you know, they can they don't owe Ryan Tannehill any more guaranteed money. He's definitely a potential casualty in terms of release or trade. If they look at it and say, look, we've still got, you know, Derrick Henry playing well, although he did get injured um, and, you know, hope that that doesn't happen again. Um, but uh, if you're a team like Tennessee, especially coming off a season in which they fired their general manager, uh, Mike Rabel still sticking around and still believes that they're, you know, only a few pieces away. That's a team that I would keep an eye on in terms of, especially because Justin Fields with Derrick Henry would be very fun to watch in terms of a running game. I would pay a lot of human money to watch that. Um, I think that Tennessee could be a team to keep an eye on in terms of a quarterback too, that not too many people I think are talking about right now. Well, there you go. You just gave a brilliant example of what I did a poor job of explaining. (laughs) I mean, you're absolutely right. Justin Fields can be, you know, you can think if you're Chicago, you know what, we're really happy with him. We're content with him, but Ooh, there might be someone a little better. Let's trade him. And if you're Tennessee to use your brilliant example, you say, yeehaw for all the reasons you just said and you've got him then and derrick henry and all of a sudden your offense feels a lot different amy trask cbs sports author of you negotiate like a girl it's always fantastic talking to you i know you got to run but i appreciate you giving me some time today again always enjoy our conversations take care and uh, hopefully we do this again soon jared i hope so it is always an absolute honor and a pleasure and a whole lot of fun to talk to you and when i start out i'm kind of kind of nervous you know i'm fangirling a little bit so i talk too much and i will try to watch that next time if there is a next time fangirling over me you know what i uh, i will take that amy trask <laughs> and, I, and i will tell everybody that i know that you said that so there you go <laughs> i appreciate it amy thank you all right take care Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.